Luke chapter 5. I'm going I'm to have prayer because I'm going to go verse by verse through this, so I, I'm not going to read it twice. But I want you to understand something. Let me ask you a question before I pray. Uh, how many have some relatives and friends you'd like to see saved? Hold up your hands. That's just about everybody. Now, answer me a question. Well, let me, let me clue you in on something. Did you know it's as much God's will for them to be saved as it is for you to be saved? It's as much God's will for those you just raised your hand for to be saved as it is for you and I to be saved. Keep that thought in mind. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Thank you for the opportunity of being back at Mississauga International Baptist Church again. Thank you for the years that you allowed Bill and Sister Teeson to lead up this work. Thank you also for the calling of God upon Brother Mark and his dear wife Michelle uh, to uh, take over and continue the leadership of this church. And I pray that the church will always be unified with one heart, one accord, one place to reach this area and reach a world that's lost and dying. Now, Father, we ask your blessings this morning upon the preaching of the Word of God. Give me the strength I need to preach. And I pray that you'll fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. But not only fill me, Father, fill every Christian here this morning with your Spirit that we might have a greater desire to do more to reach a world that's lost and dying. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in April, I was here and I had the opportunity to do your mission conference back then. And we thank God for that. And I asked you to do this. I asked you to claim something by faith that you really believe that God wanted you to give to help send missionaries around the world. And most of you here did that because you have a great faith promise commitment. And we thank God for that. But I want you to understand something. God not only wants us to have faith when it comes to our finances to reach the world. He wants us to have faith in every area of our lives. It takes faith to live for God every day. This world's not going to go the way we're going. And so in order to live in this world, you're going to have to have faith. And persecution will come uh, to those that really live for God because this is not God's world, as that one song says. This is Satan's world. Satan is the God of this world. And he's going to do everything he can to trip us, to make us fall, and, and to cause problems in our life. Uh, this last year has been the hardest year uh, that we've ever spent. Uh, heading up Baptist Missions Forgotten Peoples. In the last 15 months, uh, last year and a half, we've uh, had nine of our missionaries that graduated to heaven. Just two weeks ago, I, I had took part in Brother Wilbur McBride's uh, uh, graduation. Brother Mack was over in Germany for years, dealt with the military, had a great ministry, came back to be my assistant for several years, and now he's in the presence of the Lord. This year has also been a hard year. We've had missionaries quit. We've had uh, missionaries uh, uh, go bad. I've had to call uh, through the local church. We've had to call two missionaries home in the last four weeks uh, because of things that transpired in their life. That's not God-honoring. And so the devil's going to do everything he can to get you off track. And if you don't have faith in God and, and, and a stubbornness about you, the devil's going to attack you and it won't be long when many of you will not be living for Jesus Christ. I wish I could say that everybody that's ever come to this church today uh, is living for God. But the truth of the matter is, if everybody was coming to this church in the last 20-some years would be here today, this church could not contain everybody because a lot of people have fallen by the wayside. So I want you to be careful, and I want you to understand 
that God has a will for us, and that will is to live by God's grace and have faith in God and take a stand for the cause of Christ. But in last April, I believe it was, we were here, and we taught you night after night after night about this matter of faith, promise, missionary giving. I'm not going to preach on it this morning, so relax. Amen. But I am going to preach on faith. And I really believe that one of the reasons many of our loved ones that we raised our hands for a while ago are not saved, it's not because it's not God's will that they be saved. It is God's will that they be saved. But how's your faith concerning God, trusting God to save your loved ones? There's a... I think every story in the Bible has a spiritual emphasis for our good. The Bible is written for our good and for the glory of God. And here's a story that's familiar to a lot of people. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 17, and then we're going to uh, we're going to uh, read uh, down through uh, uh, down through uh, verse 20, I believe it is. In verse number 17 of Luke chapter 5, the Lord Jesus uh, is is talking here. It says, and came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were uh, come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was uh, pressed, uh, was uh, uh, present to heal them. I'm having trouble reading this morning because my diabetes is very high. And so the Bible says, first of all, Jesus was preaching and teaching the Word of God. But the Bible says there was there was uh, uh, Pharisees and others sitting by, criticizing everything that Jesus Christ was doing. So that automatically tells me something. We see that there's a passiveness when it comes to this matter of religion and law. Uh, they, they were sitting by. What were they doing? They were criticizing everything that Jesus Christ was doing. I want you to understand something. You're living in a midst, a midst of a mixed cultural religion. Just about every Eastern religion you can find right here. And other, plus Catholicism and plus cults and plus everything else. And even Baptists are going off on doctrinal area and a lot of other things. But I want you to understand, the teachings of tradition will not save anybody. There's only one way to be saved, and that's accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. In the States, it's not politically correct to say that. It's probably not politically correct to say it up here in Canada. But I want you to understand something. According to the Word of God, there's only one way to be saved, and that's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that died on the cross 2,000 years ago for the atonement for our sins. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the what? Blood of Jesus. We're saved by grace through faith, and that's the only way a person will ever go to heaven. But tradition is going to keep more people from being saved than anything I know. You notice that the Bible says they were setting by. And that's what tradition does. It's setting, it sets by, it watches when, when somebody quote unquote makes a profession, and then they'll pounce on you just like that to try to get you off track. But tradition cannot save anyone. I remember when Alice and I came back from Mexico in 19, um, what was it, 73, uh, before most, uh, many of you were even born. We came back to Mexico and I took a, my health was gone, but I did take a little church. And in spite of my health, uh, 
Uh, God bless that church began to grow. And then I discovered something in the States called a bus ministry. I went away to a conference and they were talking about how to use buses to bring boys and girls in and bring adults in. And I liked that idea. So we went out and bought a bus. And, uh, and we brought it back to the church. And, and uh, some of those people were in that church, I think, since Noah's day. Amen. Uh, and they were not for it. And they voiced their opinions, and they were absolutely not for it. We started soul wedding visitation. That crew was not for it. And so when we got the bus, we got some people, a small handful of people, been saved under their ministry while we were there. And we told them how to go out on visitation and how to invite people to church and bring them to church. My wife, there was uh, two other ladies that night and uh, my my wife. And then we had some fellows went out. Well, instead of splitting the, the ladies up, I sent two ladies with Alice. And Alice went over, just right over the hill from that little country church and knocked on the door. And, uh, and a little kid came to the door, and Alice said, Is your mother home? And she opened the door and invited her in. So two, all three ladies went in. And come to find out, here was the mother was there, and she had... Now, help me, Alice. Sometimes I get this wrong. She had nine children. No, wait a minute. Eight children in nine years. Eight children in nine years. And no twins. Mathematically, they tell me that's possible. Anybody want to try it? No, okay. Eight children in nine years. And here was the real problem. None of them knew who their father was. And Alice took her Bible that night and led that lady to Jesus Christ. And, and some of the older children, they led to Christ too. Well, when uh, they came back to the church, we got, we got the contacts. We were going to, out again Saturday. That night, about quarter of eleven, my telephone rang. Anytime the preacher's phone rings at quarter of eleven, you know it's trouble. And here was one of the head spokesmen for this group that were not for this kind of people coming out of church. He said, Reverend Burge, he said, I understand your wife went to visit a certain house today. Is that right? I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, uh, he said, uh, in fact, I could hear his wife in the background telling him what to say. Tells you what kind of guy he was. And, uh, uh, he said, uh, uh, do you understand what she was? I said, yes, I understand what she was. He says, what was she? I said, a sinner. I said, I can tell you what she is now. She is a sinner saved by the grace of God. He said, he said, now, Reverend, we want you to understand she's the area prostitute. None of these children probably have the same parents. And, and he said, we've already made phone calls. We don't want this kind of people coming in our church. He says, is, is, it, is it your intentions uh, to run that bus this Sunday? We weren't in favor of that either. He said, if you do that and bring these people to church, we're going to make a blockade. They're not going to come in our church. And if they do come, we're going to take our money. We're going to leave the church. We're going to starve you out. Well, that's good encouragement for a preacher, right? Well, Saturday came. We went on a visitation. And Sunday came, and, and we, I was over, I had prayer with those going on the bus, they went on the bus, and the bus came back, and it was full. And here was a, here was these people, true to the word, they were standing at the door on the parking lot, they were made a blockade, they were not gonna let anybody come, uh, into that church off that bus. And so I, I, I went out to get on the bus, before I did, uh, some of those kids rode the bus for a long time, so we had special donuts and things for them to eat. We had bags of groceries. You know. We were going to give them something to eat when they got there. And so I told a couple of my men, I said, you stand on the other side of that crowd, and you just stand there with holding these bags. He said, what are we going to do? I said, you'll know what to do when the kids come over to you. Just let them have something out of it. 
And they said, okay. So I went and got on the bus. I jumped on the bus. I said, hello, boys and girls. My name is Pastor Gene. I'm the preacher around here. We're glad to have you. I see all the, I said, you see all those people over there? Man, they're excited that you're here this morning. I did not lie. <laughs> they were excited. Amen. I said, I'll tell you what, boys and girls, I said, on the other side of them are a couple of men holding bags. Of, they got donuts, they got special coffee cakes and things like that. And I said, I know some of you didn't have breakfast this morning, and we want to give you something good today uh, for breakfast. So whoever gets there first, you can reach in with both hands and take out all you want. I said, wait till I get away. Man, those kids got off that bus. They ran toward that group of people. You're talking about opening up the Red Sea. Man, they did right on through my wife and two other ladies walked with this lady and some of her kids in church. We couldn't find anybody to watch the nursery that morning except my wife and a couple ladies went down to do it themselves. I came to that invitation that morning in preaching. And I said, I was told this past week, <clears throat> if I give an invitation like I normally do, that we were going to have people to, uh, leave the church and starve me out. I said, uh, I, I asked God what He wanted me to do. I said, here's the invitation. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as Savior, we invite you to come. If somebody led you to the Lord this week uh, and you've not made your public profession, we invite you to come. My wife came upstairs from the nursery, walked down the aisle with that lady and sat there and, and uh, we took her into, uh, we took, we made arrangements for her and the kids to be baptized. Uh, we saw a whole lot of people leave, but years later, those people went out to other churches. But years later, that lady, uh, that, that lady got married soon after that. She raised her children in fear and admonition of the Lord. And today she's teaching Sunday school in the very spot that would not let her in that church. Tradition is against people getting saved. They're going to tell you that you must keep this, you must keep that, you must keep this law, you must keep that law in order to go to heaven. But there's only one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. So in our text, I, I see the passiveness of religion law. But then notice, secondly, the presence of God's power. In verse number uh, 17, the latter part of that says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Even in the midst of the teaching religion, the power of God is present to heal people. I remember when this church was started. I remember when there was no church here. But I've watched over the years how God was using Brother and Sister Teese and others in this church to lead people to Jesus Christ. And slowly but surely, many of you got saved. Some of you might have been saved when you came in, but many of you have been saved because God led people here to tell people how they can be saved. But I want you to understand something. One of the things we forget, when we got saved, something that more than our sins took place, in a forgiveness of our sins took place in our life. God, the Holy Spirit, took a residence in my life. And today, God does not live in this, uh, this, this building, although God's everywhere. But according to the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is now lives within us. The Bible says, Know ye not that your body is the what? Temple of the Holy Spirit of God, wherein he dwelleth. Today, God's Holy Spirit lives within us. And I want you to understand something. When you take your Bible or you give a witness to those you raise your hand about, and I hope you are giving witness to them, that's just not you doing it. That's God's power through you witnessing to them, bringing conviction to the heart and life. If you and I are saved today, 
It's not because we got saved because somebody's testimony or somebody's life. God might have used that to draw us closer to Him, but it's because the power of the Holy Spirit brought conviction to our life. And we got saved because of His power that brought conviction and brought, that brought salvation to our lives as a newborn babe in Christ. The Bible says, in the Laodicean church, and I think that's the era we're living in today. Churches are not neither hot nor cold. Uh, they're, they're lukewarm. But you have to have some that are hot and some are cold to make lukewarmness. So thank God there's still churches like this that are preaching the Word of God and seeing souls saved and, and reaching out in the community and reaching out a world to a world that's lost and dying. The Bible says that where sin abound, there does grace more abound. Uh, people tell me all the time, Preacher, isn't it terrible how, how sinful the world's getting? I look at it and I say, well, I, it is terrible, but praise God. The Bible says, where sin abounds, no disgrace more abound. The same God that saved me when I was nine years of age is the same God that can still save people today. And God is just looking for somebody that will be the vessel to take the message to a world that's lost and dying. So we notice the presence of God's power. Then, um, uh, let me give you one other illustration. I was preaching years ago up here in Canada. I'm trying to remember what church it was. And, um, there, uh, 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 and somebody took me to that uh, famous uh, 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 place in, in, uh, over in, uh, in the uh, French part of Canada. There's a famous cathedral with all the steps going up. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, they wanted me to see it. So I, we went to see it. And uh, we had a couple of, oh, I was preaching in, in a church in Connecticut. That's what it was. He took me up in there to see that. And uh, so we were walking through that place, and here's all these candles. And here's an old man that is down on his knees. He's lighting a candle, reaching up for a candle's not lit, and he lit a candle. Then he got back down on his knees, and he's holding his, his rosary beads and all that. And one of the men with, was with us, a layman, spoke French. And he went over, he probably shouldn't have done it, but he went over and tapped that guy on the shoulder as he was praying and gave him a copy of a track in the French language. And, I, and then he came back over where we were standing. And I was just watching that man. That man took that track and he was reading that track. And, and, and he turned it over and he was reading the back. And I know on the back was the prayer of confession. And so he, he bowed his head and he went like this. Bowed his head and prayed again, went like this, bowed his head and prayed like this. When he was over, done, done, he got up and he looked around. And he looked around and saw us standing on the side. And he came over to that man. And in the French language, he said, he said, are you the gentleman that gave me this? He said, yes. He said, I did what this said. And that man checked him out. Sure enough, in the midst of all that religion and all that false teaching, that man read a copy of the truth of the Word of God and got saved. That's how powerful our God is. And I want you to understand something this morning. It makes no difference how deep in sin those you raised your hand about a while ago are living. You have within you the power of the Holy Spirit of God that's stronger than any sin that holds an individual slave. And if you let God use you as an effective witness... And out of love, you'll do it the right way. You'll be amazed how God can use you to lead some of them to Jesus Christ. So number two, the presence of God's power. Then notice number three, the plight of the man on the bed. The Bible says in verse number 18, Behold, 
men brought a, in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. Now, what was he taken with? The Bible says he was taken with a palsy. What is a palsy? I'm not exactly sure in Bible times what a palsy was, but it was a, it was a disease that, re, that rendered this man totally helpless. I had, uh, my dad had eight brothers and sisters. There was nine of them all together in the family. Six of them died of an MS disease. And, uh, and I watched some of them as I was growing up lose total control of the body. They, they could not walk. They could not even feed themselves. They became so helpless. They could not even take care of their own uh, bathroom needs. They had to help somebody help them through it all. And I watched them struggling through that. And that was probably the type of disease this person had. The Bible says he was helpless. He was totally helpless. He was unable to help himself. He was able to uh, to get to Jesus himself. But notice, even though it was a plight, thank God goes on to read some more. There was a problem facing these four men. What was the problem? He was this man taken with the palsy. They sought means to bring him in but uh, and to lay him before uh, him. They couldn't find what way to bring him in. And so what did they do? Now, the Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 3, there was four men. They saw the need. They had compassion. They saw the means to bring him to Jesus. And so they, they were looking for some way to get him to Christ. I personally believe that there, there's people out there that we can help bring to Jesus Christ. I'm saved today because somebody had an empty back seat in their car. And invited me to come to church. How many of you came to church in an automobile? Come on, be done. Was it, it was it full? If not, why not? Back in 1955, a couple driving an old Kaiser automobile saw me playing in church uh, in, a, in our front yard, and they came by the following week and invited my mother to church and me to church. My mother would not go, but they let me go. And they came by and picked me up and took me to Sunday school and church. About less than a month later, I was sitting in church beside my Sunday school teacher, and the preacher was preaching. And Deanie Byers took a Bible and led me to Jesus Christ when I was nine years old. For seven years, that couple came by. Every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every teen activity, they came by and took me to uh, church. And today I'm a preacher of the Word of God because somebody loved me and found a way to get me to church. You can get people to church if you want to. Brother Mark Wallago said next Sunday night is the next Sunday night. You're going to have your, your Christmas cantata. People come to hear singing and won't come to hear preaching. Just the way it is. People come to a special Christmas program when they won't come to a regular church program. So use that as a means to get somebody into church next Sunday evening because the gospel, I guarantee, will be preached from this church. So they had a problem. They could not find what way to bring him in. But then the perseverance of these four men. Look at verse 19. And, and when they could not find what way uh, that they might bring him in uh, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling in the presence of Jesus. They let him down through the roof, uh, tiling, and, uh, and put him on the couch in the presence of Jesus. What did they do? 
these four men, man, they persevered. They, they said, well, we tried to get him there. The crowd was so dense they couldn't get him there. Somebody said maybe on the back side, most of those roofs over there are flat. Maybe we, there's a way up on most of the rooftops. If we can get him up there, maybe we can get him down there. They got up on the rooftop. They didn't stop to count the cost. They didn't count, have a deacon's meeting to figure out what's it going to cost to tear up the tile, replace it back. They just tore it up and let it down in the very presence of Jesus Christ. You know what they were doing? They were persevering. They had their mind set on the fact that they were going to be used of God to see this person come into the very presence of Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember years ago, my first church, I made $2 a week. Then I became a pastor of a full-time church, $60 a week, 19 years of age. I was dry, getting up every morning, 4.30, driving to Washington, D.C., which is about a two-hour drive from where we were uh, every morning, and coming back at 12.30, driving back, passing this church. Among the people in that church, uh, somebody had a burden for a, a guy named Junior. His real name was Charles. It was Charles Butts, his real name. And Junior had a reputation. He was an old drunkard. And the men of the church said, we've tried for years to lead him to the Lord. And here I am, a snotty-nosed 19-year-old preacher. And I said, I'll go try. I went and I met Junior, and uh, we kind of became friends. I knew he was a drunkard. I go back again and again and again. And finally, on one of the visits, and I don't know which one it was, Junior finally accepted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Um, I mean, he was a drunkard among drunkards. And he was a laughing stock of that whole community. But Junior's life got turned around. And he began to live for God. In fact, on my, on my 25th anniversary, I've been preaching 53 years now, something like that. So it's been quite a while ago. My home church, Don Smith was pastor there. You know Don. They gave us a special day, 25 years. And on Sunday night, I came out, sat on the platform. I looked out. Here's my first song leader, 80-some years old. Brother Freed and his wife were there. Here, here's a whole bunch of people I led to the Lord. My first church. Here's a whole bunch of people I led to the Lord in the church I was pastoring in the, in the 70s. And uh, I couldn't get over it. And here's a fellow by the name of Junior Butts. He had that handshaking time. Man, I went back to those people. And there was dozens and dozens of people we personally led to the Lord there that night. And I looked at Junior. I said, Junior, what in the world are you doing here? He said, oh, preacher, he said, everybody else gave up on me. But you kept coming back. He said, I had to come one more time and hug your neck and say, thank you for not giving up on me. He said, I got saved because you had faith in God. That was God's will for me to be saved. And Junior became a deacon of the church until the day he died. Listen, God wants us to persevere. God wants us to keep on going. He didn't want us to stop. But they kept on going. They brought him in. They had such confidence that they can get him. If, I, if we can get him in the presence of Jesus, and if he can just see Jesus and have Jesus touch him, God will heal him. But I want you to see something here. Look at, look at the next verse, verse 20. And when he saw their faith. Now, wait a minute. It does not say when he saw the faith of the man on the bed. It says when he saw their faith, the faith of those four men. 
Now, I personally believe that the man on the bed had to have faith, or he wouldn't have gotten in the presence of Jesus. Because if these were four Baptist guys, Baptists never worked together. I can see them now tearing up the roof and, <coughs> and lowering that bed down. If Ben Baptist, one guy would have dropped his corner, he got a slip off and killed himself. But they worked together to get this man to Christ. And the Bible says when he saw their faith, notice what it says. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. The missing ingredient in why a lot of us are not seeing our loved ones saved is our faith. My dad was not saved as I was growing up. My, my mom got saved in one of my preaching services after I became a preacher. My dad, I witnessed to him time and time again. My dad was a good man. He was not a bad man. He was a good man. He told me a lot of good things. But my dad had to have an operation on cancer. And I remember right before they were wheeling him out, I asked the doctor, I said, Doctor, let me just have a few moments with my dad. One more time. Because the surgeon said he might not make it. So I, they always had him on that bed, getting ready to roll him out. Had the bars up on the side. I went back and said, Dad, one more time. One more time. Let me tell you. He said, son, I know what to do. I said, Dad, you need to do it. He said, I'll be all right. I said, Dad, you might be. Then again, you might not be. I said, Dad, please let me show you. Finally, he looked at me and said, okay, son, I know what I need to do. My dad accepted Christ as Savior. But it did not happen until, first of all, I got alone with God a couple years before. (coughs) And I said to God, God, whatever it takes to see my dad saved, I'm willing to have faith in you to do it. And God did it. (coughs) There's people here this morning. You've got some unsaved loved ones that need to be saved. What are you doing about it? You say, well, I witnessed to him one time. So maybe did somebody else. But you need to keep going back. You need to go back. You need to go back. When you go to bed at night, you need to be praying for them. When you read your Bible, you need to be praying for them. You need to send them letters of love. You need to send them, call them. <coughs> Just let them know that you love them. And God can save them. Now listen to me very carefully. It's as much God's will for them to be saved as it is for you and I to be saved. (coughs) I believe with all my heart we got saved because somebody claimed us by faith. And God saved us. Who is it in your life you want to see saved? Will you ask God once and for all to break your heart to the place that you'll say, Dear God, whatever it takes to see Him saved, I'm willing to do it.